Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high-achieving and ambitious mid-level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. How are you? How's October treating you? I don't know about where you live, but here in Florida, we get really excited when it gets, you know, below, I don't know, 60 and the the afternoons get below 80. So we're right there on the cusp of that and pretty excited about it. And speaking of excited, I have a guest today that I am very excited about, and we're going to talk about career breaks. And while that may seem counter (laughs) to what I talk about on this podcast, I think it is absolutely in line with your career because I think this idea of a sabbatical that has been around for so long in the academic world is something that the rest of the world is starting to catch on. And and maybe there's a little less questioning around why would you need to do that? And what's the benefit? So we have an expert on this who has walked the walk and is going to tell us about the coaching that she does with clients around taking a career break. So Katrina McGee, sorry, (laughs) thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm so excited that we're having this conversation today. Me too. Why don't you start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So I, as you mentioned, I'm a career break and sabbatical expert, which basically means I'm helping professionals create happier, more fulfilling and successful lives by way of taking this life-changing break. And, you know, to date I've supported over 53 career breaks and counting. So I'm a huge believer in the power of taking a break and that actually taking an intentional break can zoom you ahead in life and in your career. You know, a little about me, I am a recovering rule follower. I started (laughs) as a math major and went into actuarial science. So I had sort of a first successful career as an actuary, but knew that wasn't my my happy place, nor did I want it to be my final stop. So I ran away to do the smart thing and get my MBA at business school, which was fantastic. But, you know, I started a second career after that in market research, moved out to Minnesota, started working with a great company. And I started to realize that the rules I thought I had to follow just weren't working for me. And so, you know, well, I'm sure we'll dive more into this, but basically I had to really stop and question things. And I ended up working with a life coach, having a realization about what I wanted to create in my life. Instead, I took a 20 month career break, traveled around the world, came back, decided I was going to go back to corporate to pay off all of my debt, got five job offers within five weeks of searching. and launched back in to pay off all of my debt, got certified as a life coach and started helping people really realize the power of a break for themselves and 
five years later, after coaching many, many people, I am the career break and sabbatical expert. So that's kind of a little bit about me. I love that story. I love I love so many things about it. Just another example of someone who turned to a life coach when they needed help figuring things out. And that's such an important thing. And, and it's it's such a growing field. And I also love that you recognized your desire and the possibility that you could turn that into a career. Because I think those are the best coaches, right? Are the ones who have walked that walk and can speak from personal experience. I'm not sure, especially with what you do, how on earth would you ever coach people about that if you hadn't done it? Yeah, there's so many to your point. You know, I think there's a lot of nuances. And, you know, when you've done this for a while, you hear similar themes rising to the top and you learn, you know, what works to help people through it. Sometimes just relating to people and saying like, yeah, of course you're feeling this way. This is exactly how I felt. And this is how you move through it. I think that can be invaluable. Yeah, you know, I I like to say, you know, a, a skinny coach who's never had a problem with her weight does not need to be a weight loss coach, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, there's so, yeah, there's so much about having walked the journey, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, why don't you kind of tell us, you talked a little bit about that kind of dissatisfaction, not following the rules, but what really was that catalyst for you where you just sort of said, okay, I'm I'm doing this. This is going to happen. Yeah. I, so sort of my emotional rock bottom was feeling like I was failing at a life I didn't even want. I, it wasn't, you know, like it wasn't. Oh, life, I, no, but, I'm sure Katrina, yeah. no one listening to this can identify with that at all. Cause we all love what we do and we're all super successful at it. End of story, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, if I'm going to fail, can it at least be at a life that I really want to live? You know, I looked so successful on the outside. There were so many things I had done. I bought a house at 24. I had this great career. I had an MBA. I got a fellowship. My tuition was covered. You know, I had the second career that was like at a, you know, really amazing company, but inside, I never felt good enough. Inside, I felt burned out. And inside, I did not feel inspired to want more or to go for more on the path that I was on. It was like, I was super aware this is not my path. And yet I had no idea how to get on a different path. I knew in my spirit that I had to be meant for more. Like, I remember being young and interesting. I loved to dance. I played flute. I was a majorette in high school. I was a radio DJ in college. I just was this person with all of these passion and interest and this spark about life. And I had lost it. And it felt like I just needed a change. And I didn't know how to make that change or start that change. So I ended up hiring a life coach, which was in 2011. I didn't even know what life coaches were at that time. But through months... (laughs) months of working with her, I had this realization that I wanted, instead of finding a new career to try to solve all my problems, I really just wanted to take a break and travel the world for a year. And, you know, I see this in so many of my clients, this lack of alignment or lack of fulfillment, I think is one of the biggest reasons people kind of get to that point to be ready to take a break. It's a sign. Also burnout, you know, is another big sign. But for me, that was my journey. And that is kind of what the catalyst was. If I don't change my life ASAP. I'm going to blink. I'm going to be 65 and I'm going to be retired from this life and like trying to start living right in like my sixth decade of life. It just, I didn't want that for myself. 
And Katrina, and I will tell you a personal story. So much of my decisions about my life and my career were formed by the fact that that was the way my mother talked was, you know, when I retire this, when I retire that, she died at 59. She never got to retire. And so while that sometimes I've gone to the excess <laughs> and in those kind of live for the moment situations. It really was like I'm not waiting to live my life when I retire because that's not guaranteed to any of us. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry for the loss of your mom. And I think some people do learn that lesson through through loss, you know, and I just I'm I'm thankful that, you know, I was on that path, but um but that's such a it's an important lesson, right? It's a life changing lesson. And I think this is interesting because I was just writing a a special episode for 250. This is number 247. So in three weeks, this special episode is going to come out. And it has to do, it's so on point with what we're going to talk about today, because it's about challenging your assumptions and having things in your life. In my case, it was starting a podcast and I'm telling the story and I'm giving away to episode 250, (laughs) but it's really good. You guys have to listen. But it's this notion of, oh, it costs too much money to be. It's like, I don't know. It's too hard. All these things. And then when it got right down to it and I figured out the steps I needed to figure out, it wasn't that expensive and it's not that hard. And now here I am 250 episodes later. So for some of the listeners, it may be this notion of sure would like a break, but no, I can't do that. I can't afford it. I don't, I won't be able to come back to work. What will people think? I bet that's a big one. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Tell, tell us how you made this happen, right? So it's one thing to say, okay, I'm ready for a break. Coach and I agree, break is necessary. How did you actually make it happen? Yeah. So I just want to highlight, you know, as I jump into how I made it happen, it seemed incredibly far-fetched to me at the time I had this idea. There were so many reasons that it seemed impossible. I had $1,500 in my bank account, even though I had you know, a $90,000, a year job. I had $1,500 in my bank account. I had $50,000 worth of debt for my MBA, MBA loans. I had a house in Atlanta that I had been renting out that was underwater because of the housing market and timing, all of that. And, you know, more life stuff. So, you know, I'm going to tell you how I did it in a few simple steps, but I just really, if you're listening to this and you're thinking that it can't be you, I want you to know there's so many reasons. People come to me with kids. People come to me with debt. You know, uh, I didn't really have any money. How am I going to make this happen? So step one for me was really mapping out an intentional plan. What is it that I'm trying to create and why? I understood sort of four big themes that I wanted to experience on this break. I wanted it to be regret proof. And, you know, we might talk about this later, but regret proof really starts with understanding what success means to you so that you're designing a break that will be successful for you. So once I kind of understood what that plan could look like, I set a budget. I tried to estimate how much it would cost. I rounded up for, you know, miscellaneous stuff or in case something broke with the house that I was, you know, like renting out. And I had a budget of $38,000. Now, going back to that 1500, there's a big gap there. <laughs> so there's a lot of money to be found. So I started saving. I started tracking what I spent. I started making different decisions. I did not live a life of deprivation. I just started prioritizing and I started redirecting money that was going to places that weren't lighting me up, that weren't fulfilling me, that weren't essential into this career break fund. And, you know, fast forward 18 months, I'd saved $40,000. I gave my job. Yeah. I gave my job eight months notice. 
So I was planning to leave in August and I told them in January, like, listen, I don't want to do the five-year plan thing. I don't want to do the like annual review pretending I'm going to be here forever. I just want to be honest. I'm going to leave to travel the world for a year. And I really like my job. I really like what I'm doing. I'm working on my savings goal, but I just, I want us to create a plan that works for you and that sets you up for success. And I get to show up and contribute value without having to pretend that I'm staying around forever. Mm -hmm. They were super respectful of that. And I think they appreciated it. And so you know, eight months notice, working towards my goal, saving my money. And then August came, I sold almost all of my things and I left. What I love about this, and I think I'm hoping that the the listeners are picking up on, is that this was an intentional decision. This wasn't you running away from your life and trying to avoid something. It was, this is not what I want for my life, or at least not right now. I want this other thing, and I'm going to be planful and structured and strategic about it so that I get what I want out of that experience. Absolutely. You know, Lisa, we're coaches. And I think that is one of the fundamental principles of coaching, right? Is setting intentions and getting really clear on what what it is you're trying to go towards or what you're trying to create so that you're taking steps that align to that. And I also think from the larger perspective that this is a great example of what people can go to a life coach for and how wonderful that you specialize in this area because folks i promise you whatever you need coaching with on a very granular level there is a coach would you agree katrina oh my gosh yes there's seven there's seven of them yeah exactly i I was need to be astounded by like the specificity of coaching yeah yesterday i found out about a woman who is an arm coach Oh my, wait, did you say arm? As in that pe- appendage on your body oh that picks God. up the fork. So apparently she she got into coaching and she couldn't figure out what her niche would be. She was working with someone that I've worked with. And the comments, it came around that she, everybody just commented on how beautiful her arms and her upper body were. She was, a you know, she worked out, but she just had really nice arms. And a lot of women want that. I have terrible arms. I don't desire to get coached to get them better. But I presume that there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, that's really great. So she's an arm coach. Wow, Lisa. Wow. I love that. I also found out there was a sleep coach and I was like, I was ready to sign up. Then I found that it was for parents with their children. I was like, okay, never mind. (laughs) But what about us adults who can't sleep for squat? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure there are. All right. So, so you, you made a plan. You decided this is what I want. You made a plan. You were very intentional. Let's, let's get into some of the fun stuff. Tell us about some of the highlights and lowlights of this, of this. What did it end up being? 20? 18 months, months, 20 months, Mm -hmm. and kind of what you learned about yourself as you went through that process. Okay, so we're going to do some real highs and some real lows here. (laughs) Uh, We'll start with the good stuff. So one of the most amazing things I did was spend a month living like a local in Buenos Aires. I rented an Airbnb, I moved in, and I just lived for four weeks in this city Uh. I'd never been to. I went to cafes, I went to the Recoleta Cemetery, I walked around, I explored new neighborhoods, I took day trips. I had the most incredible time. It was like I was living in a movie. And it was this beautiful experience. But I think what made it so beautiful for me is that I had fantasized about going to Argentina and being in Buenos Aires for decades. I mean, I think I think the movie Evita probably planted some seeds. <laughs> but um, but you know, like it was just this fantasy I'd had and I even thought about studying abroad there in business school, but I ended up going to Barcelona instead. But it was like this fantasy. And so I was here to check that box completely. And so yes. that month was 
and freaking tastic. It was so amazing. Another thing about me, I love to eat. I read Peter Mail's A Year in Provence, and I became obsessed with going to Provence to eat, just to eat. I decided to go to a town I didn't really know, which was Avignon in southern France. And I just went there to eat, and I loved it so much. I stayed not one week, but two weeks. I extended my stay, and I spent a ridiculous amount of money on food every day and had the most amazing meals. That goes on the highlight reel for sure. And I think, you know, the other big travel related highlight for me was three weeks in Vietnam. So Vietnam, I'd heard such mixed things about, you know, I'd heard some really awful things. I'd heard some really great things. Again, I'm obsessed with food and I really wanted to go there to to know the country, but also to experience the cuisine and learn more about the culture. And I really, I wasn't sure I was going to go. It was a game time decision. And I ended up buying a one-way ticket into Hanoi. And I told myself, you can leave anytime you feel unsafe. You can leave anytime you want. We're just going to buy a one-way ticket and take it as it comes. And you're free to leave. And I worked my way all the way down from Hanoi to Hue, Hue An. And then I went on to this mountain town, Dala, and ended up in Ho Chi Minh or Saigon. And it was so incredible. I made friends. I met people. I saw sights. I had smells and tastes. I rode on motorbikes and almost got killed with a <laughs> driver. That was an, it was such an adventure, but it was a highlight for me. And it's kind of, you know, in that moment, one of the things I learned about myself is, you know, like not letting fear dictate the direction. I do believe in being, you know, thoughtful. I am strategic in decisions I make. I do try to keep myself safe, but I was so proud of myself for taking that flight. And I think leaving it open-ended reduced the amount of pressure I felt. And I just, it was literally one of the three best experiences of my break and I almost didn't go. So I think that really settled with me, you know, how close we can come to sort of this fantastic experience, but are we willing to move through the fear to get there? So that was really, yeah, that was really incredible. And I hear you, I hear you talking about, I did this and I did that. Were you alone for the trip? I was alone for most of the trip. So I had a boyfriend at the time. He We started dating after I knew I was taking a break. So he he had to be on board with this plan. <laughs> but yeah, he came to Argentina. He joined me in Argentina and we had a fantastic time. But then all the other international travels, I did solo. Okay. And yeah, so it was a lot of solo travel. So the message is, yes, you could go with your, your significant other, your children, but you can also do this alone. Yes, and I have <sighs> married clients who... You know, some of them have kids, some of them don't. And, you know, they do both, right? They have these fantastic travel experiences that they're longing for, that their partner, you know, might not long for or just might not be able to take because they're still working, you know, with the standard hours. But it can be so fulfilling. And I think it's important if you have a partner to really think about what are my goals for this break separate of what are our goals for this break. Like Mm. both are important, but you have to fulfill your own needs for this experience to create that version of you and that transformation that restores you and allows you to come back bigger, better, bolder, stronger. And to be clear, for some people, this career break might not involve any travel at all. This is just what your experience, what you wanted to get out of it. But this could be translated to writing a great novel or spending time with an ailing parent. It could be any number of things. Absolutely, Lisa. And, you know, I have clients that are recovering from grief, from physical ailments. And so their break is largely about healing. You know, to your point, it doesn't have to be about travel. And I think that's one of the most important messages, you know, that I want to give is that when you're designing and thinking about these themes or these pillars of what your break is, 
they can't all be travel, right? Like you're, you're, you're taking this break for more reasons than just to travel. And I think that gets to my last highlight, which was the insane amount of quality time that I had with my loved ones. I just want to say, you know, I'm in my mid forties now, and there are so many, there's so many days I spent with my parents growing up and my family growing up. And once I became an adult and I moved far away, I saw them like once a year for the holidays, maybe twice a year if they came out to visit me. And the time that you spend with your friends who have kids and live away from you or your family who might live away from you, it just drinks. And to be able to see these very mundane, almost boring moments of life and spend them with people that you love, it was like the coolest gift to just see someone not in the haze and the chaos of a holiday, but just as they are in real life with time passing by. It was incredible. And I have to believe that for the other people, it it means so much that you would choose to spend time with them without sort of that obligation of a holiday or a, some other commitment, a mayor, a wedding or something like that attached to it. It yeah. probably meant more. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this this transitions really well into one of my my, my biggest low light. Which yes, I can't is, wait to hear about these. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So I'll save. I'll save the really dramatic one for the end, but the the <laughs> most ridiculous one is right before Avignon, I ended up going from Bordeaux in France down to Montpellier and I was so excited and it was so beautiful, but I have a gluten allergy and I'm here to say Montpellier was not the place to be <laughs> with a gluten allergy. And I remember this one day I like could eat almost nothing. I was hungry. I was cranky and I went out for a really nice dinner and I was like, I'm going to eat all the food tonight and I'm going to make sure it's gluten-free. And I ordered this meal that I thought was gluten-free and it was three courses. And it was like the salad came with a piece of goat cheese wedged in between two uh. pieces of toast on top of my salad. The second course had this saucy flowery gravy on it. And the third one was panna cotta, but they stuck a biscotti like directly uh. through the center of my, and I was like, I was crying. Like the waiter didn't know <laughs> what to do with me because I was like, I can't eat anything. And I just, I'm so hungry. And so I almost left France. I, I was like, I can't be here. I, I can't. I have to. I mean, I literally thought about just, I wanted to go home. I was like, this this sucks. I hate it. I don't speak this language very well. I, I can't eat. And I'd already booked uh, Airbnb in Avignon for five nights. And it was a lot of money. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to waste that money. I'm going to go. I'm going to give it a chance. And if I starve to death there, I'm just, I'll just figure it out. I'll just get out of here. And then, as you know, it became a highlight, right? Again, another example of how when you're almost at your wit's end, it's like something really great can be waiting for you if you just are willing to step forward and move through it. But that was a really hard moment. And, you know, like you alluded to, I had a relationship and parts of that were really great. But then there was this period where I was traveling abroad for six months nonstop and it was really hard. Like it did get hard. And I think for him, it was hard because he's like, when are you coming back? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I want to come back, but I'm having a great time and the money's still here. And so we had to work through, right? Like mm-hmm. the having two people that want to be together, but are on opposite ends of the world. So, you know, that was another, that was another low light was, you know, when we had sort of gotten to our edge of being apart and figuring out how we navigate that. And then, you know, the biggest low light really goes back to that quality time and how much it means to people. My brother was my favorite human and he died unexpectedly one week before my break started. So if you remember, yeah, I've been saving for 18 months. I've been planning for a long time. I gave eight months notice at my job. Like I was, I was in the zone. I was down to like the last week and um, I got the call that he was, was dead and I had to come home for his funeral. And, you know, it was both the worst thing that had ever happened, but 
the break itself was the biggest gift. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I would be here right now if I had to go back to a life that felt so misaligned and so kind of soul sucking, you know, honestly, and grieve the loss. But instead I had all this money, all this time. I had a general plan and I had the space to grieve and the space to find myself and the space to like find a reason to be excited about life again. And so, you know, that it was a low light in a sense, but also, you know, the break itself made that livable. It had to feel a little bit like divine timing, even it, though it, it was a terrible thing. But right. you have to look at, at the universe and say, you know, you had my back on this one. Yeah, it's like if that was going to happen and that was part of the deal, that was the exact moment that, you know what I mean? That I like oh, yeah. to happen. It was going to happen at that time to be able to survive it. So it did sort of feel. Yes, yes. All right. So 20 months later, your career break was over and it was time to get back to work. What were your strategies and what would you, how do you coach your clients through that reentry process for their careers? Yeah, I'm going to give you three don'ts, Lisa. I'm going to make this fun. I'm going to give you three don'ts. Don't stay connected to work. This is a hard one. When people leave, you know, it's really easy to think, oh, I just, I don't want them to forget about me. I don't want to lose my edge. But while counterintuitive, you have to fully disconnect to be present on your break, to receive the miracle of your break. And then you have the energy, the stamina, the epiphanies, the you know restoration to lean all the way into the reentry and to be fully present for that, to come back as a better version of yourself. I have multiple clients who have been poached out of their break early because uh. they were fully, yeah, because they were fully present. And someone in their network was like, hey, you're living your best life. I see you. But by the way, you're awesome. This job came open. Would you please consider it? I have one client who was happily on a break, like you described, writing her novel. She was so in the zone. She was so hitting her flow. But a company reached out to her and said, listen, she was you know, working in operations. And they're like, listen, we want to contract you as a VP of operations for this company. And they were willing to pay her two times what she was making before her break. Two oh times. So did she do that? She she, she did. Went, she okay. did. She took it and she was like, you know what? I'm going to do this contract position for a few months. I'm going to save some money and I'm going to go back to taking Ah, uh, Okay. So that message folks is so such a good one is you can have this plan, but then something might serendipitously come across your path and you get to decide what you want to do. I'm sure nobody Was there any weapons involved being held in her head? (laughs) Not that I know of. Not that you're aware of. Okay, so let's assume that, we'll call her Sally. Let's assume that Sally made that decision of her own free will. And I love that she was like, hey, I can go do this, make a boatload of money. And I can go back to this thing. But here's this opportunity. It's plopped right in my lap. I choose not to turn it down. I choose to embrace it. I love that so much. Yes. And I had another client who had an offer to work as a contractor for Facebook and she took it and she took it and then she did it for a while. And then she was like, you know what? Actually, I loved this role, but I'm not ready to be done with my break. And she left it like six months later, which was a really tough decision. But one of the coolest things about a break, once you've left, you learn how to listen to yourself and honor yourself. And it is nearly impossible for you to overstay your welcome in other (laughs) career experiences. And she ended up transitioning beautifully into digital nomad life. And she now shares on LinkedIn and she, you know, helps other people live this fantastic. And she makes 
money and has clients and does contracting and freelancing. And it's so incredible, you know, to see her store. So disconnect from the work so that you can be fully present in the re-entry and know that the opportunities are going to flow to you, which leads me to the second don't, which is do not accept the belief that a break is a red flag. You have to highlight this break. You have to frame the narrative. You need to do the work to see the benefits of your break and believe in its value. You influence the conversation, right? So part Mm -hmm. of the entry and finding the jobs, like when I found five job offers in five weeks, so much of that is based on the fact that I believe my break was the most freaking fantastic thing I had ever done. And in my mind, it created a more inspired, more motivated very aligned, very excited human being that still has the same experience, that still has the same education, that still has the same network, but I'm restored to level 10. My batteries are fully charged. And it's like, you want this version of me. It's way better than the version you would have gotten from me 20 months ago. And I've seen this for my clients. I have people that resist, right? They're afraid because they think it's going to be this huge red flag. It's going to be career regression, but it can be career progression. It can be moving forward. I have a a client named Stephen who said, right, I didn't know that all of this could be waiting for me. And he felt so excited and hopeful when it was time for him to find a job. And the first job he found that he really liked wasn't in the city that he needed it to be. And he felt a little discouraged. He was like, I still feel so hopeful. I still, and less than three weeks later, he accepted a job and he's so excited. It's in New York City and it's like doing what he wanted to do. And he stressed out. This man <laughs> really did stress out when he started, right? About the, the job stuff. He was like, I just don't know what will be waiting for me on the other side of this break. And it unfolded so beautifully. So you have to believe in the value and you have to frame it in the conversation. Like you get the best of me. Aren't you so lucky? I had one client say, he was like, I knew I was interviewing for them, but I kind of felt like they were interviewing for me. Like I needed them to, to prove to me why I wanted to be at this job because I knew the version of me I was bringing back and they were going to be really lucky to have me. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. And so it was really, really fantastic to see that happen. And, you know, the third don't, the last don't is don't rush back into the job market from a place of desperation and panic. Mm. That time Right. I talk about a re-entry period. There's this general rule I use with my clients, like a minimum of one for six. So a minimum one week dedicated to re-entry for every six weeks of your break. So if you're taking a six-month break, you know, that's about four weeks or a month of re-entry or more. Making dedicated time to figure this stuff out, to do the things like update your resume, contact your network, do the soul searching, figure out what's best for you. You need time to process to reflect all the things you've learned from this break and this experience and to set this intention. And I have a a client, Nisha, who is out in Seattle. She relocated from like Texas to Washington state. And she was on a break, I think for about eight to 10 months, I think about 10 months. She said, searching for a job post break was the easiest job search she's ever had. It happened so fast. I think it was like three or four weeks. And she started a third career. So it wasn't even like she had all this experience in some past career. And it was just easy because it was like a no-brainer from her resume. She just found a job that she thought was really interesting. She applied for it. She, I think she wrote a cover letter explaining, you know, why she wanted it, but she actually ended up with two offers within just weeks and said it was the easiest, most natural experience for her to find a job. 
That is so encouraging. So, so a couple of things that that jumped out at me there. First of all, I was comparing your, using that term reentry. I was thinking of the movie Apollo thirteen, and when they mm. came back into the atmosphere, it's it's a really really rough ride there for some yeah. number of minutes. I don't know what the what the math is on it, but it's very very hot, and it's very it's a very critical time in the process because otherwise you explode and I think burn up. And so then there's there's that really discomfort of probably that adjustment coming back in and then you land and they put you in quarantine which i think is probably that sort of reevaluation period of yeah. okay now what's next i'm I, you know i'm alone with myself i need to think about what i want to do next and then you get to go out and be part of whatever world you want to be part of so i i like that re-entry terminology yeah, I love that analogy, Lisa. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> feel, feel free, feel free. And the other thing I think I'm hearing you say is that you don't have to, you know, you're not limited one to one career break. Oh my gosh. Uh, yay, I've taken two. And I recently surveyed my 50 clients that have taken breaks and gone through breaks or are currently on a break now. 25% already know that they're planning another break. So it could it could very easily become this thing of, I'm going to go do some work that I love so that I can take my next break. Absolutely. And, you know, you get to decide what a break looks like because maybe now it's a full break. Maybe the second time you take it, it's shorter and more travel focused. Maybe it's longer and you take some contract work. I mean, it could be there's so many ways, you know, that you can design that second and third break to make it more of a lifestyle. But absolutely, this is not, you know, your one chance if you don't want it to be your one chance. Oh, I love it. All right. So you wanted me to ask you a specific question. And I'm really yeah. curious to hear the answer. Why is now the right time for a career break? Yes. Thank you, Lisa. Okay. So <laughs> I think this is so important because so many people put it off. They're waiting for this perfect moment when the stars align, when they've got their promotion, when the company feels steady, when things at home feel good, when the money is a certain, and it's like, I don't want people to wait too long until it's too late. I think this ladders back up to the life lesson that you talked about. You know, I have 13 clients who are on a break right now, 13 people, right? We're talking uh-huh. about recession. We're talking about all these things, but they're living their life. And the regret, the one regret that all of the people I surveyed came back with is I regret that it took me this long. I regret that I didn't do it sooner. I have a, a VP. This guy is a VP at a fortune 100 company. And he was like, My only regret is that I took more than 40 years to learn what a break could be for me. Mm. And I don't want people to wait until it's too late. You bring your best self to life. You bring your best self, your most inspired, recharged, fully present self to manage the drama of life, right? The global drama of life, the personal drama of life. Life is always going to life. There's always going to be challenges. I want people to go out that need a break, that want a break and take the break so that they can just get to the part where they feel good inside so they can create better circumstances and outcomes on the outside, right? You are going to find more clarity, more fulfillment. You're going to heal the burnout. And I just, I don't want people to think that not it, not feeling scary is, is the metric to measure. Like I'll take a break when it doesn't feel scary. When all these <laughs> ducks are in a row, that's the wrong metric. It's never going to not feel scary. And if you want some like tactical stuff, right? Think about the great resignation. Think about LinkedIn adding career breaks, you know, to their platform, Mm -hmm. resume gaps are being normalized. Like you, like you talked about in the beginning, you know, they're being normalized and it's easier than ever to explain. It's becoming more understood. It's not an issue the way that it was when I took a break in 2013. And so, you know, society and culture is working on your side to help you make this a more easy transition back whenever you're ready to come back. 
so fantastic. I'm I'm ready to take a career break, and I absolutely love what I do. But but your my mind is spinning with some of the things that have been in my in my back pocket. That frankly, if I'm being completely honest, I haven't given myself the permission to process and think about what that would look like. I've let that fear hold me back, and so you are you are releasing me. So to that point. Let's hope that some other listeners have been at least thinking about the possibility. And people out there, if you are doing what I have done for, I won't tell you how many years, but but trying to like stop yourself from having this thought, I want you to just open your mind up. You are not marrying Katrina or this idea. You are opening up your, your the possibility of dating it. Date the idea. Date the idea. So with that in mind, Katrina, what are your top strategies for anybody who might be thinking, hey, this is not this is not a crazy idea after all? What yeah. would you say to them? Yeah, I got three things I would say to them. First, I would say, know your why, right? Get clear on your why and your themes. So I think of themes as four pillars of a break. What are the four sort of mega themes to this experience? For some people, it's learning. For some people, it's detox, or it could be healing, or it could be you know exploring. Like there's a bunch of themes. Mm-hmm. But figure out why you would take a break. Why would you take a break? And what would you need from that experience to feel like it was worthwhile? And here's why that's important. If you allow yourself, like you said, Lisa, I love that, to date this idea, owning what it could be and that it is possible, not even that you have to do it, that it's possible, and having a vision of what it could be starts to really help you understand what's at risk if you want a break, if you would benefit from a break, but you're not going to take one. Like, oh, well... This is why I would take one. And this is all the things I could get from it. It's a, it's a very important piece of information that all of my clients have to learn and discover before we start planning, because they need to really be grounded in the idea and the vision. And so if you're thinking about it and you want to date it, explore what would it look like for me? Number two, get close to your money. Know your numbers. So much of you know an intentional plan is knowing how far away you are. Some of my clients actually have the money. They just have a fear of spending it and they have a fear of it being like a waste, but they actually have it in savings somewhere. Some of my other clients like me are on the other end of the spectrum where they've got basically no savings. And so part of what we do together is set a plan and they start tracking what they spend and they start changing their behaviors. But you need to know when you think about how far away and how unrealistic or realistic is this plan or this idea, get your numbers, know what, how much money you have now and how much money this break could cost and figure out the gap between the two and how long it would take you to close it. And number three, I can't, you know, understate the value. I can't overstate the value of this enough. Get inspiration, seek inspiration, mm. listen to other people's stories, hear, read books, listen to podcasts, find people who have done this thing that you are thinking about doing. Because when you start to normalize it and you open yourself up to living in a world where it's possible, your brain starts to really accept this could happen. And the more excited you get and the more you start to think normal people do this and they don't bust into flames and ruin their life, (laughs) it starts to create a sense of like possibility. I could do this. I'm starting to see, oh, I'm getting excited. They did this and I could do this thing. That's kind of like the thing that they did. And you can just see how it would, you know, bloom from there. Uh, So everybody go watch Eat, Pray, Love this weekend. That's, that's my order to you. (laughs) Get you started (laughs) or read, or read Liz Gilbert's book, one or the other. Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right. How can listeners find you, Katrina? And I think you also have something to offer them that's going to be in the show notes. So tell them about that as well. 
Yeah. So the best way to find me is to download the free training best break ever, because once you do that, you'll learn more about taking a break in me, but you'll also become an insider and you'll get weekly inspiration tips and advice on taking breaks and living a life that feels amazing. You can also find me on Instagram, but again, best break ever is, I am so proud of this training and it's basically a three part, a very short three part series that helps you explore the three secrets to creating a regret proof career break, which I'm big on. And I really want you to feel like you can walk through fear, how to overcome and manage the fear and not feel like you have to wait for perfect. And so it walks you through the basics of taking a break, planning a break, just to show you how possible it can be. And it's kind of like a career break 101. So that is going to be in the show notes, folks. I highly encourage you to download it. And I'm going to just take, I'm going to hazard a guess, Katrina, that the people that you've worked with that have overcome their fear about taking a career break have, as a total coincidence, I'm sure not planned at all, realized that they have are able to overcome fear in other areas of their life more easily afterwards. 100,000% Lisa. And they just, they redefine who they are in relation to work. And I think they set themselves free to see the possibility. And you're so right. It just creates a very empowered version of them that can face fears and many other aspects of life. Oh, I love it so much. Katrina, I cannot thank you enough for being on the podcast. This was an absolute blast. Folks, I hope that you will reach out to Katrina, even if you're just you know, mulling the possibility over, or if you're not willing to commit that far, at least get her, get her download and listen to her course and, you know, give yourself a little time to think on it, but not too much time because you don't want to, you don't want to wait too long. You're never promised how much time we have on this earth and we want, we don't get do-overs with life. So make every day count guys. And I thank you again, Katrina, for being on the podcast. Thank you, Lisa. You guys take care and I will see you next week. Bye. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.